Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parashah Vayetzeh and Parashah Vayetzeh, as it says in Spanish, Vayase, Vayase, is when uh, Rivka sends Jacob out of the, of the house. She sends him to Haran to look for a wife. She knows that his brother Asaf wants to kill him and she tells her husband Itzak that it's better to send the boy away, the boy which is a man, to go and look for his wife. So Nachmanides, he says that, um, that what happens to the patriarchs, uh, our progenitors, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, uh, is a signpost for the Jewish people throughout times. Uh, and this is why the Torah elaborates so much in the book of Genesis, of Bereshit, of the lives of our patriarchs and um, how they lived and what they did and all their tests and everything they had to go through. Because uh, what happens to them gives us an understanding of what's happening to us in 2023. And so it says that, um, that, the, that the way that we can understand them is more than that, more that they are a role model for us to follow, more than that, they really are like building, they build through the Torah, the blueprint of, of our lives and how we should live. It's like an architectural plan of our lives and whatever they had to go through, we go through through the ages. So in chapter 28 of Bereshit, of Genesis, the Torah recounts Jacob's departure from the Holy Land. Um, he was born there. And um, we know with the incident of his brother, he getting the braha, the blessing from the father, and the brother getting very angry, he sent away. And he sent to Haran, which is where uh, the brother of Rivka, his mother, lives. And he's sent there to look for a wife. And we see that he spent the first half of his life immersed in the tents of learning. So we see that when he leaves his home in, 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 in the Holy Land, he goes into the yeshiva and he learns. Uh, he learns Torah. The Torah was not given to us yet, but we, from here we see that they kept all the commandments and they learned Torah. And he was really building himself up spiritually to be able to sustain what he was gonna encounter in Haran. And um, in Haran, in Haran, he worked for 20 years in the employ of a very cunning person, very sneaky person, which was Laban, that was his uncle. He was evil, like his father, Betuel, and like everyone before, before him. And we see that he was very corrupt and debased. And Haran also, this place was a place that was very, um, uh, how could I say? It was also, it, it, the, the, the word Haran means wrath. And, uh, and, and how it sex, it, it reflects the object of God's wrath in the world because it was a very not right place to be. The, 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 the society was very debased and very corrupt. So throughout it all, Jacob remained true to himself, true to God. We see that his son Joseph had the same qualities. He was thrown into Egypt, which was also a very uh, low place spiritually. And nevertheless, they were able to be honest, to work, to be honest, to keep the 613 mitzvot, and to never fall into this environment of, of degradation and, the, and um, 
and uh, that was a, a, an, an environment that was not uh, conducive for spirituality. So there he came and he worked and he married and fathered 11 of the tribes, 11 sons uh, from the tribes. The last one, Benjamin, he fathers. He's born in uh, entering Israel in Bethlehem. Rahel gives birth and she passes away. That's why she's buried there in the way into Israel. Uh, but nevertheless, this is a place, even though it was such an unholy place, this is a place where the tribes were, were brought into the world. So Jacob's journey to Haran is a story of every soul, really is an allegory to the soul. And the soul too also comes from a very high place like Yaakov that came from the Holy Land and had to descend to this place. And uh, the soul comes from a very high place, comes from, from um, Chokmah of, of Asilut, it's the, the, the highest of the highest where Hashem emanates the Neshamas and then through uh, chain-like reactions in Zoom, contractions, the soul descends into the world and is, uh, is put into a body, body and has to struggle his whole life to keep him safe, um, himself as a, as a decent human being because when we come into this world, this world really it's a tough place to be. Uh, to keep yourself decent is really not the easy way out. So the, the struggle in the employee of Laban in a Haran environment is really, the, um, is, is really the prototype of what a soul has to go through in this lifetime. So we see the material state is a nefarious deceiver, accentuating the corporeal and obscuring the godly confusing the soul's priorities and perpetually threatening its virtue. But every soul is empowered as a child of Jacob to make this descent for the purpose of the ascent. So the only reason we go down is so we can come up. That's the only reason you go down. If a person stumbles and, and does something that is not okay, uh, the way out is to do teshuva, clean off your shirt, clean off your knees, stand straight and start all over again. And uh, we see the Haran is a representation of the material aspect of the earth. Uh, because what happens is that when we come into this world, we get uh, mesmerized by the glitter of the material world and we forget why we're in this world. That's the problem. A soul comes here to make this world a dwelling place for Hashem, to make it conducive for godliness. And once he's here, he forgets why he's here because the whole material aspect of the world just traps him and, and, and makes him forget the, 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 the reason why he was created. And so we see that most significantly in the spiritual state, the soul is perfect but childless. So yes, when a soul is up there in heaven, he's perfect. He has no pitfalls. There's no temptations. There's nothing that's gonna make him fall. But on the other hand, he cannot produce children. He's childless. And in the spiritual sense, uh, to be childless is a person that is the raft of mitzvot. Uh, our, our mitzvahs are our children. So only as a physical being on a physical earth can it fulfill the divine mitzvot, which are the soul's progeny and it's linked to the infinite and the eternal. On his way to Haran, Jacob camped for the night on Mount Moriah. Uh, Mount Moriah is actually where today uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque stands, where this was the place where the first and the second temple stand. 
stood and if you go today you're gonna see only a, a, a wailing wall the kotel which is the western wall of the of the of the of the temple that that surrounded it it's not even inside it, nevertheless it's a very holy place they say that this is the gateway to heaven this is where the all the prayers of the world are sent up to heaven and in this place when he came up to this place which was only a mount at that moment uh, he got very tired and he laid down uh, the midrash says that he wanted to put the head on a stone and all the stones that were around were fighting for his head such a sadic such a holy person and uh, God did a miracle and he put them all together and he became one big rock. And this is where he put his head to rest and to sleep. And he had a famous dream, this famous dream in which we know as Jacob's ladder, in which angels are ascending and angels are descending. And this is the, the dream that he had. And uh, upon waking, Jacob took this stone on which he had slept and raised it as a monument. And he then made an oath, which the Torah relates in the following three verses. So if God will be with me and safeguard me on this road that I'm traveling, and he will provide me with bread to eat and clothes to wear, and I will return in peace to my father's house and God will be my God. And this stone which I have erected as a moment and shall be a house of God. And so this syntactical construction of Jacob's oath as written in the Torah raises several questions. So the oath consists of two parts. So one is the preconditions for its fulfillment. He's giving preconditions to, 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 for this oath to be fulfilled. And if, if God will be with me, provide me bread to eat and clothes to wear. So these are the pre preconditions. And B, what Jacob is promising to do, such as this stone shall be a house of God. So what he's saying is basically like Hashem, please, I need you to help me in life. I need you to protect me. I need you to take, keep me safe in my life. Wherever I go, you should be protecting me. And I'm, I, I pray that I have food to eat and clothes to wear, which are basic necessities of any human being. We cannot live without clothes and we cannot live without food. And then uh, he, he says that he should return him to the house of his father in peace. What is not clear where, is where the former ends and the later begins. And the first of the three verses is obviously part of the con condition, the things that God will do for Jacob to enable him to fulfill his vow. So he's basically saying, Hashem, I want to give you something. I want to promise you something, but I need you to do this for me. It's like if I tell you, okay, I want you to, to help me get to a certain place, but first you have to, I have to do this for you, okay? So we see here that the same applies to the first part of the second verse, and I will return in peace to my father's house. And the third verse speaks of Jacob will do for God, what he will do for God. So first, please do this for me, and then I'll do this for you. And so, but what about the second part of the second verse? And God will be my God. Is this part of the necessary conditions for the vow's fulfillment? or is it part of the objective of the vow? So there's two commentators in the Torah, Rashi and Nachmanides, famous commentators, they all both have an, a, a debate, uh, they're debating this point, and according to Rashi, the first two verses are conditions. 
Well, the third verse is the substance of Jacob's vow. So, if God will be with me and safeguard me on this road that I am traveling, and he will provide me with bread and, uh, to eat and clothes to wear, and I will return in peace to my father's house, and God will be my God. Like, if you keep this part of the bargain, then I, you will be my God. And in order for Jacob to make the stone a house of God, he requires to experience the Almighty as his God, and then Nachmanides comes and he says something different. He sees that the words, and God will be my God, he sees them as part of the vow itself, not as a condition. So he, Rashi sees, and God will be my God, as a condition, and Nachmanides doesn't see it as a condition, he sees it as part of the vow. So Jacob is saying that if God will provide him with protection, food and clothes, and peaceful return to the house of his father, he will make God his God. Like, hey, if you don't give me this, this and this, then you're not my God. There, you're not my God, and the stone and abode for the divine presence. So what is the deeper significance of these two interpretations, and why does the Torah recount Jacob's oath in such a way that allows the variant readings? Like, why do we have this discussion? So our sages describe the purpose of creation. First, we have to understand why we're in this world, what's the whole point of, of this uh, creation, this, this lower abode that God created. And the simple reason is that God wanted a dwelling place in this world. He wanted a house in the beach. He wanted a house in the mountains. He wanted a skyscraper in, in New York. You know, he wanted to live um, in a world. He didn't want to be all the time in the heavens. So we see that Hashem wanted a dwelling place in this world, and God desired that there be a realm that is lowly. Not only he wanted a place in this lower realm, he wanted the world to be low, lowly. And this is as low as it can get. There's nothing lower than the, this world of Asiya, the world of action. And so what it means is that this world is created in a way, and it's a creation of God, and this is the purpose of the world, is that the world is so materially uh, based, it's such a material world, that it, it, it's inhospitable for spirituality. Like it obstructs the light of God. It doesn't allow people to see Hashem. It doesn't mean that God is not here. It means that you cannot see him. And so it's an alien place and, and, and that, should, that should be made into a, a dwelling for him. And this, is the, and this is the game, really. This is what Hashem wants. What Hashem wants is that in a very low realm, in a very dark place, a person chooses to reveal God. Because this is the whole purpose of Torah and mitzvot, that when a person fulfills the mitzvot, when he does the, the 248 positive mitzvot and he abstains from the 315 negative commandments, then 365 negative commandments, then what he's doing is revealing Hashem. He's making Hashem openly and revealed, and when he's learning Torah, he's revealing Hashem. So what it says, the, 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 the Rabbi Shneur Salman of Liadi, the, the Tanya, the Balatanya, he says, eh, is, our world, is our physical world of which none is lower in the sense that it obscures the light of God to the extent that it contains forces which actually oppose 
with the claim that I, I am the ultimate. And the physical world they, that oppose God with the claim that I am the ultimate and the physical world is the greatest concealment of the divine truth. This is what it is. This is a world of peekaboo, I see you. This is the, the, the game of look for Hashem. We're playing hide and seek. Hashem is hiding and you have to go and look for him. So we see that uh, a spiritual entity such as an idea or a feeling because intellect and emotions are, are, are really uh, spiritual. They're not material, they're, they're spiritual. They exist for the sole purpose to express um, a physical entity um, and that merely exists. So the spiritual conveys that there is something greater than myself, which I serve. Like the spiritual world would say, there is something bigger than me there is something much bigger than me that I serve. I don't kill because God says I cannot kill. Uh, even though I'm a bloodthirsty human being, I'm not going to kill because this is, this is not uh, permitted. There's a bigger uh, entity than me that says, no, you cannot kill. And the physical says, I am. I am which says I do what I want, I think what I want, I'll, I want pleasure, I want to take fun, I want to have fun. So one is one is saying, okay, I'm I come up to here and this is me and up from here up there's more. And the other one says, I'm everything, you know? So contesting the truth that God is the ultimate and exclusive reality, but when man utilizes the resources and forces of the physical world to serve God, he sanctifies the material so that it now serves rather than obscures. And this is the beautiful teaching of Hasidut, that we're not in this world to, to ab abstain from the material world. This is not the purpose. A Jew is not here to get inside of a cave for the rest of his life and eat carrots and drink uh, spring water and dress in, a, in, a, in an orange tunic for the rest of his life. This is not the purpose. The purpose of a, of a person, of a Jew especially, is to come to the world and take the material world and elevate it and make it, a, make it something to serve Hashem. So for example, food. Okay, food is, you need to eat because if you don't eat, you're going to die. But how do you eat? So if you eat because you're, you're hungry and you're just gobbling and, and, and you're not thinking about the food and you're not thanking God for the food, then it's a material food. It's, it's nothing. But if you, before you eat, you take into consideration, okay, this is from a tree, this is from the ground, this is from, um, from the... the, the from a mineral, this is an animal, what is the blessing I have to say for this uh, food, what is the proper blessing for this one, and, and you're thinking which one you have to do first, and you're thinking about God when you're before you eat, and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to eat this food because I need the energy to be able to serve Hashem, this is the, the intention that I put into my eating, then all this food is being elevated. And it, it's not just a material thing. It becomes more than that. It becomes your spiritual energy. So we see that, um, that the, the question is, uh, do, do, do I exist uh, instead, in the divine truth? Instead of I exist, it now expresses I exist to serve my creator. 
I'm not only in this world to have fun and to enjoy and to have pleasure. I am in this world also to elevate the world and to serve God. And so the, instead of I am the ultimate, it now proclaims I for myself am nothing. My sole function and significance is that I'm an instrument of godliness. And you're here because Hashem has you in this world because he desires you. He needs you because if you're not here doing brahas for food, then his food means zero. He has no, no, no value. So this is the meaning of Jacob's oath that he will make this stone a house of God. Jacob is pledging himself to, to a man's mission in life to fulfill the divine purpose for creation by making the material world a dwelling place for Hashem. So to achieve this end, Jacob requires several things from God. He needs protection. Obviously, if you're not protected in this world and you're gonna fall down every cranny and crack in the world, you cannot serve Hashem. If you're sick, it's very hard to serve Hashem. If you have no food, it's very hard to serve Hashem because your whole head is thinking, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And you need clothes to be sheltered to be able to serve Hashem in the proper way. And when he says, where a, a peaceful return to his father's home, he's not, God forbid, negotiating for a payment in return for service rendered. He's, what he's saying is that I need the ideal conditions in order to be able to serve you in the best way possible. This is what he's saying. It's not like give me so I can give you. It's like, so I can give the best of me, I need certain conditions. So in the, in the Kabbalah, in, the, in Hasidut, it, it, it goes a, a notch higher, this oath that he makes, and it says, that, uh, that when he says, if God will be with me and safeguard me on this road that I'm traveling and he will provide me with bread to eat and clothes to wear, safeguard, protect me. And so laws that identify those forces and influences that are harmful to the soul are de detrimental to the mission in life. So that's why we have mitzvot lotase, neg negative commandments, 365 negative mitzvot that we abstain from doing. And this is what protects us. This is what guards us from falling in the journey, from the pitfalls. And then food to eat is the divine knowledge and wisdom of Torah, which our sages call food for the soul. And the shaman needs to be nourished. You don't only have to nourish your, your body, you also need to nourish your soul. So Torah is digested and internalized into the Jew into the Jewish soul, and it becomes blood of your blood, blood of its blood, and flesh of its flesh, and this is the substance for your mindset and character traits. This is what's gonna help you be a person that has the right uh, attitude in life, and the, the character traits, your midot, are refined. And then close to where the mitzvot are say, the ones that we do, 248, with which clothes the soul and it envelops the soul with divine will. And so the capacity to, to do teshuvah is to return. When he says, and return me in peace to the home of my father, this is the capacity to do teshuvah, to repent, to go back to our essence, to be able to recognize that we have been falling, that we're not doing the right thing, that we have to, uh, you know, go back to ourselves, to really uh, make amends with Hashem and to 
go go higher if i didn't eat kosher yesterday maybe i should start eating a little kosher if i mix meat and milk maybe i should stop mixing meat and milk you know do something if i didn't wear the film i start putting the film this is the shuba so so we see that um that that the question of where does personal fulfillment figure in all this where does it come to uh, is it a life that we're only here to serve Hashem and there's no fulfillment in it? It would be very sad. So, can man serve God without experiencing him as a personal and intimate presence in his life? And the answer is no. No. Because if you don't learn Torah and you don't do mitzvot and you don't abstain from the negative and you don't fulfill the positive mitzvot, then you can really not have an intimate per personal relationship with Hashem. Because the way to have a personal intimate relationship with Hashem is through His mitzvot and His Torah, through His wisdom and His will. This is the way you have a relationship with Him. You know, when a guy is dating a girl and he wants to have a relationship with her, so he's going to find out what are her, the things that she likes the most and what color flower she likes, and he's going to bring her these flowers, and he's going to talk to her about the things that interest her, and she's going to do the same with him. Why? Because this is the language in which people connect. And so what is the language to connect to Hashem? It has to be a spiritual language because Hashem is not a physical being. So the only spiritual language to really connect to God is through Torah and mitzvot. So we see that, that our life's work should not be a robotic implementation of arcane commandments issuing from an incomprehensible God, but a labor of love that stimulates our mind, ex excites our emotions, and fulfills our every faculty. I was looking um, in, 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 the, in the internet, in the Instagram, there's this couple that just converted to Judaism. And they went through a very, very long process, and they have the whole process documented. And finally they converted, and finally they married, and now he's going for the first time to, to, to shul to pray with a, and he's part of a minion. Before he went, but he was not counted as one of the ten. And this is the first time he's going in and he's being counted as one of the ten. And the, and the emotion in his face, the, the joy that he experienced, because now he was part of the tribe, now he was counted, now he counted the, the, the emotion. And you see people that go to shul, they don't feel this because they've been doing it all their lives and they don't have this perception of, of wow, look, I count. And this is what it's saying here, that to be able to serve Hashem, we need to serve Hashem with joy. You have to really look at every mitzvah with new eyes every day. Like if it's given to you anew and, and how, how privileged you are to be able to fulfill these mitzvot. So, is this another condition or is it part of the mission itself? So Rashi, who states that I come on to, only to explain the simple meaning of the verse, used the issue in the quintessential simplicity, why was man created? And to serve his creator. This is the reason we're here, to serve God. That's it. He created a whole world so he can have a dwelling place here and we can serve him. And everything else is a condition, a means to its end. 
So all the material world, all the mitzvot, everything is a, is a condition so we can serve God. And Nachmanides, on the other hand, reads the Torah through the lens of the mystic Kabbalists and with an eye to the experi experiential and anthropomorphic dimension of reality. And from this perspective, man's experience of the divine is not just a tool, but the purpose of life. So for, for Rashi, the, the, the mitzvot are the means to the end. And for Nachmanides, this is the purpose of life. This is it. Hashem created the world for mitzvot. And, that, and, that, and, the, and we see that God be known by his creations or in order to do good his creations. Ultimately, these are various expressions of the coincidental purpose, God's desire for a dwelling in the lower realm as explained below. And as in, with all variant interpretations of the Torah, these and these and these are both the word of the living God and the soul and the soul elevation to a deeper relationship with Hashem through its sanctification of physical life is both a condition for and a component part of the purpose of creation. So it's both. It's both. One is the tool that you use to be able to reach God and know God. And the other one is the whole purpose of creation. It's both. It's true. Both of them are right. So a true dwelling in the lowly realm is a product of the lowly realm. A product of physical man appreciated by his physical mind, desired by his physical heart, and motivated by his physical self. So an integral part of God's dwelling is a human self of whom God is my God. And so the whole purpose of, of life is for whom alive in the service of the Almighty is deeply satisfying and ultimate in self-realization. So the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate purpose is that we have pleasure that we have pleasure in serving Hashem and knowing Hashem, that that be our most precious commodity, is a pleasure to serve God, that we find that. And so I wish you a blessed week and I wish peace to the world, peace to everybody, peace to Israel, that our holy, holy soldiers be protected and our hostages be returned. So I wish you a blessed week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.